This is Alicia, and welcome to the College Life Podcast. I am super passionate about education, personal development, growth, and bringing out the best in every college student. This podcast will help motivate you, empower you, and bring you clarity and confidence in who you are, in your purpose, and help you take action toward a life you love. Don't wait until you graduate to live your best life. Let's start now. Welcome to the College Life Podcast. It's Alicia here, and today I have with me Elliot Felix, who is the author of How to Get the Most Out of College, 127 Ways to Make Connections, Make It Work for You, and Make a Difference. And I know all of you want to do that. Um, Elliot is also a speaker, teacher, father, and consultant on a mission to make college work for all students. He's been featured in Forbes and Fast Company, has spoken at South by Southwest EDU, and has taught courses on innovation and is a consultant and has been a consultant for more than 100 colleges and universities. So we are going to dive into his book shortly. But before we do that, Elliot, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your own college journey? Thanks, Alicia. It's it's great to be here, and I'm excited to talk about my journey and and what I've learned along the way, and uh, hopefully that that helps other other students as they're thinking about starting things and doing things and making a, making a difference. My my journey started a, in a little bit of an unconventional way, in that I graduated high school a year early, and I I took my kind of bonus year as study abroad. And for a for a very long time, I thought I was going to be an architect, and I, so I went to study architecture in Brussels in French, at a technical you know very like technical architecture school, which turned out to be a great compliment because I learned all the you know I learned I had five different classes on drawing. It, it was it was interesting. It was more like a high school model where you, I think I had fourteen classes ranging from architectural history to geology to physics to five drawing classes to a studio. And they filled up your whole, even though it's college, they filled up your whole day uh, from nine to five, Monday through Friday. And it was an interesting running start. And then I applied to colleges from abroad. And in those days, I think I applied to 12 colleges and I figured I just, you know, now everybody applies to 12 colleges, you know, back then maybe four, you would apply to four or five. And I figured I would just visit where I got in and um, I was lucky enough to land uh, to land at UVA in the architecture school there. So you said that you started as an architect. Uh, that was kind of like what your passion was and what you were thinking you wanted to do. And you obviously spent a lot of time working towards that, right, abroad. And now you're not doing that. So <laughs> tell us how that transition happened. And yeah. Yeah, well, it, it happened in phases. And I, I had an amazing art teacher uh, in... Uh, grade school and elementary school and high school, Mr. Bida, who he taught art class like it was a college architecture class. Like we, one of our projects, I was, you know, in, I think I was in sixth grade and one of our projects was bringing a game board from home and then analyze the structure of the game and then three-dimensionalize that. It was, it was, it was amazing, right? So I, you know, for a long time, I was, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an architect. And it was a great education. And I, you know, now knowing what I know about what enables students to succeed, going into the architecture school at UVA was such an advantage because I entered into this like close-knit community. We had our own space and space helps build community. 
my professors were in the were in a profession, so I could see this connection between what I was doing every day. They were also there, like to help me get connected for internships and all these things that we know. There's like so much evidence as to what helps students succeed. I had all those benefits as part of being uh, being an architect, and then I worked in, for an architecture firm called Raphael Vignoli. And I got very lucky there too. I mean, I worked incredibly hard, but also got very lucky to work on great, great projects. And after doing that for a while, I realized, you know, I really like this, but what I don't like is that I don't know enough about the people I'm designing for. You know, we we inherit these problems to be solved, but they're not always very well defined. You know, we don't understand the culture, the curriculum, the campus, and that was the gap I wanted to close. So I went to grad school at MIT to try and like better understand people, better define problems. And I, I kind of went in as an architect and I came out as a designer, I think more, more broadly and ended up at a firm where that I, I found out because a bunch of my, you know, they say you're like the product of the, you know, your five close friends. Several of my MIT colleagues went to this place called DEGW which was a British firm that was kind of like a management consultancy and an architecture firm had a baby. And we would do design research, social science research, understand people, understand business strategy, and we would define this problem to be solved. And so that was kind of my first step out of architecture, uh, lovingly, uh, still with a lot of admiration for the, you know, for architects and architecture and the, and the profession. And after doing that for five years, I had maybe a second realization or epiphany, which was, you know, we're doing all this research, we're talking to people, people are fascinating, we're understanding, like how they teach, how they do research, what students life is like. And we only have one tool in the toolbox to help them, which is change your space or build more of it. And really what we're after, if you're, if you're trying to help people, what you're after is their experience, not just their space. So I found a bright spot as a higher ed strategy consultancy to work with colleges and universities to change not just their space, but their student services, everything you know, from, from uh, career to admissions, to library, to writing centers, to data analysis and, and, and uh, everything, coaching, advising, uh, and then the technology piece as well. And that's been, that's been really great. And after doing that with more than 100 colleges and universities, working with them to help their students succeed with you know, better space technology, student services, I thought, and I've learned a lot and I would love to, I'd love to tell students and, and families directly and kind of work this problem of enabling student success from, from two directions, helping institutions, but also helping students directly. Oh, so, so good. I love it. And it's, I totally can see why we got connected. Um, so uh, for listeners, we got connected via LinkedIn and then we ended up meeting each other at a conference in person and just, um, it makes so much sense why we connected. And I just love your story because I think what, what happens when you're a student and you are a junior, right? You're, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do in the world. I'm going to major in this and I'm going to find a career in this. And this is just what I'm going to do. Sometimes that can feel uh, really like good because you're like, okay, I have a plan. Right. And it can sometimes feel like anxiety inducing because you're like, gosh, this is such a big decision. I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. And I just love your story because you can see along the way, 
really how architecture and like the skills that you built from that has helped you in where, what you're doing now. Like, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's like such a cool through line and it's a completely different industry, you know? So it's just amazing that you're able to still use your skill set. It's like, that wasn't a waste of your time. You enjoyed it when you were doing it and you're able to build on it from there. So I just love hearing that story. And I love when students can hear this type of thing, because you can just see, like, you can do multiple things in your life. And that's a beautiful thing. It's actually really exciting. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like there is this, at least in my, my own path, there is this like constant balancing of focusing and unfocusing. And, uh, and so I, you know, I started off, I was very focused on architecture and then I, you know, then I broadened and then I narrowed and, you know, you go back and forth at these different moments, but I think having a focus is so, is so important because at least it allows you to make progress and then you can, you know, you can change as you go and then having people to advise you and challenge you. Like I, you talked about, like, there's so much pressure. I felt that immensely for my graduate thesis and I, it's a year long project. I was kind of floundering. Uh, I, I had found, I would, and I had found this really intriguing, you know, discovery, not unique to me, but there were about a dozen subway stations in New York that, that were still active. They had millions of people moving through them every day, but for whatever reason, they had a platform that wasn't in use and it might be walled off behind, you know, and hidden, or it might be just out in the open. And I thought like, gosh, I could do something with this, but I was sort of floundering. And one of my thesis advisors sort of called me to tat, you know, was like, Hey, you're, you know, you're not like, you're kind of all over the place. And he just said, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, you know, something to do with education. And, uh, and then we started pulling on that thread and it became about libraries. And I was thinking like, okay, libraries are all about like democratizing knowledge and the subway is all about like de democratizing mobility. And there are these two like kind of circulatory infrastructures and they both have cars and reading is a form of travel. And, uh, and then it just kind of fit. And I came up with this idea of a new kind of branch library sited in the subway and as a way to improve the subway, like bring light down, bring, bring, bring plants, bring people. And it all, it all kind of clicked, but I'll tell you, like everyone putting pressure and saying like, this is what you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. Your thesis sets you, you know, that was like very, that was paralyzing. And it wasn't until like asking the, like the question sort of from a different angle that I ended up kind of backing into, into something. And, you know, libraries are a huge part of my, like my professional work. I've, I think I've worked on like 70 or 80 libraries. Um, many of them won, have won like the, the national award for the library of the year. And, uh, and it's been super fulfilling. But if you asked me like, okay, pick the focus for the rest of your life, I, you know, it wouldn't have been that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think we definitely have to take the pressure off of like, yeah, picking and doing it forever. It's just, that's not the model anymore and it will never be. I don't think, um, let's go back to your college journey. And is there anything that you either wish you would have known about or done when you were in college that you just didn't know was there? Yeah. And this is another one of those things where, you know, you, as a consultant, you do, you know, you do the research, you talk to people, and you learn things that you wish you knew in hindsight. And it's so funny because there's all this 
there's all this work on so-called guided pathways where people start broad and then they narrow over time into a, you know, first into an, into an area and then into a discipline and then into a major. I kind of did the opposite of that where I started off and I was like, Mr. Architecture. And I, and then I got really interested. UVA is like, has, a, has the best architectural history program in the country. Uh, so I got really interested in that. I started using all my electives for architectural history. And then it wasn't in my junior year, I started taking these different classes, thanks to like gen ed distribution requirements, like, thank you so much. And I would, would, I would take, you know, these amazing literature classes, I took like an environmental science class, environmental, environmental history, I should say, I took a terrible environmental science class, I took an amazing environmental history class. And, uh, um, and then I realized, oh, shit, like, the stuff that I'm doing outside of architecture is enriching the architecture. It's not taking away from it, which was the, you know, the kind of dominant narrative. The dominant narrative in, in architecture is, you know, stay up all night and, uh, and everything you do outside of the studio takes away from it. And it took me, a, you know, maturity and exposure and experience to, to realize it was actually the opposite of that. So I, I did my exploration, like, later rather than earlier i may, I maybe that was okay but i think now i would have probably flipped it and i would have i would have cast the net really wide in my first couple of years instead of being like mr architecture out of the gate but even that's hard right some academic programs force you to do that where you don't even get the choice to explore you have to kind of explore whenever your credits allow you to right so that's that may not have even been your decision even if you could have yeah. changed it right yeah, and maybe I mean maybe the, one of the lessons is instead is instead of like hating on these distribution requirements, it you know embrace them because they mm -hmm. actually you know the idea of like being a well-rounded person is is uh, you know maybe it seems arbitrary or maybe you know maybe there's students out there that are like I already know I want to I want to be an engineer you know why do I have to take a literature class? My advice is like that literature class might be the best thing you take and it might make you a better engineer. So uh, I, I think there is really something to those, to that, to those curricular requirements. Yeah. And that's a great transition into your book, which is again called How to Get the Most Out of College. And you have 127 ways to make connections, make it work for you and make a difference. And so what I want to do for today's podcast is really focus on, in on just a handful of some of these tips um, because it is chock full. There are so many things in here that you can learn from and that you can take away. Um, we'll probably focus most of it on the college side. There's a handful of tips um, focused kind of on the beginning and knowing yourself and which I think is still really valuable, obviously, <laughs> during college. If you haven't done that yet, hopefully you have. Um, but um, I want to highlight some of these tips and just go through a few of them uh, for listeners. And so uh, and then if you're interested, of course, like I'll share the book resources and the podcast notes as well. Um, so we can talk about that um, at the end. But let's just go through some of these tips just kind of really quick. And I just want to learn more about each of them. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book. Well, I, in my consulting work with so many colleges and universities, I started to see some common themes. You know, students might struggle to uh, find that sense of belonging, to find their people, find their place. They might also not have the right support 
and there's so much research that like a supportive campus culture and a support network are our like key building blocks to you know to success uh or they might not see how their class connects to a career and so i thought if i can if i can address these common themes and i can distill like you know my experience with 100 plus colleges and hundreds of other research studies into short practical tips like i could really make a difference i could really help you know help students because my my thought is that students spend a lot of time thinking about where to go to college but not enough about how to go to college and you know where certainly matters but how actually matters more like the everyday decisions you make about where to live what to do a what to do a class project on what classes to take um, how, you know whether to do an internship um, how to find a mentor these are actually the things where there's a preponderance of evidence that doing these things will help you succeed they'll make you more likely to graduate they'll make make you more likely to get a good job to like that job um, to make an impact in the world so you know i really wanted to like these things felt like secrets and i really wanted to tell the world you know this is th these are the kind of the secrets to student success that shouldn't 100%. really be secrets a hundred percent yes how you do it matters so much more than where you get where you do it and i love that well, let's dive into some of these tips. Um, and if you can just maybe share a little bit about like, what do you mean by this tip? You know, like in a, sure. in a summary and we can kind of do this a little bit rapid fire. Um, so tip 27 is treat everything as an opportunity to grow. And so I, this one resonated with me. I'm like, oh yes, I love this one. But tell us a little bit more about what do you mean by that? Well, this is really helping students embrace a growth mindset. And the, the big idea in the book is that that how matters as much as where and if and once you're in the how mindset the best way to take advantage of that is to see college not as something you just navigate you know it's not an obstacle course it's actually something you design and create and these tips are like the building blocks to a successful college journey and if you're embracing that then like every opportunity is a chance to grow you know talking to a speaker after an event you know, starting a film series, doing a marketing plan with a, you know, a local nonprofit. And, um, and some of these things might not work. But if you see them, if you see college as like your chance to collect these opportunities to help you grow, then you can look at them in a different way. And one of my favorite tricks is the word yet. So uh, you can you can change, you can adopt a growth mindset. You know, if you say, I don't know how to do that, it's very different. That's like limiting, that's defining. But if you start saying like, I don't know how to do that yet, or I haven't done that yet, um, it can make a huge difference. So the one word summary of that tip is yet. Mm -hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Yes, yes to all of that. Um, okay, tip number 33 is practice advocating for yourself. How do you do that? I mean, I know how now, but I definitely did not know in college. <laughs> Well, one of the common themes I see in all my consulting work is that students don't always take advantage of everything their college or university has to offer. Um, they may not be aware of it. They may not think it's for them. And, uh, and I think education is a lot like healthcare, you know, and I think it's, it's complicated. The stakes can be high. 
And I think people have learned over the years that like nurses, doctors, they're human, they make mistakes. And in, in healthcare, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to ask like, why are you prescribing this? Or why, why do I need this test? Or, um, or don't you think I need this test? And, and I think in college, it's kind of similar where, you know, you can sit back and like let college happen to you, or you can like stand up for yourself and advocate for your, your needs. And that's a muscle that you have to build like any other. So it, you know, it could be something as simple as like going to a professor and saying, Hey, I've got two exams on the same day. I love your class. And I would really like to, um, not only that in the same day, they're like back to back and, you know, it's going to even be hard for, you know, for me to get from here to here on time or whatever it might be. Can I, you know, can I take this at a different time? Maybe they'll say no, but you know, they might say yes. Um, so I think it's, you know, it can be something as simple as asking for an extension, asking to take something a different way. Um, but that, you know, that self-advocacy, I think, is a huge part of taking advantage of what your college uh, has to offer. Yeah, it's so true. And I think, like, I think one of the things that I encourage students to do, especially like in, you put this in the book too. another tip is to work with a success coach. Um, and, and if you don't have that on your campus, um, working with an advisor and just telling them like what your interests are, because they can share things that you just don't know about yet. And, and then that's a one way to kind of start in a very small way to advocate for yourself of just like asking a question of, Hey, is there anything like this on campus and share something that you want to learn more about, or you want to get involved with, um, because they're a little bit less yeah. intimidating, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the references that may seem a little bit odd that I shared in the book, I think for that tip, there is a former FBI negotiator named Chris Voss, who wrote this famous book called Never Split the Difference. And it's all about like the art of negotiation. And like one of his tips is you, you just have to get, build that muscle of asking for things that you people might say no to. So it might be, you know, it might be like asking for an upgrade, it might be asking for like a free refill or what, you know, whatever it is, just get in the habit of, of, of asking for things. And, uh, and then, you know, when people say no, it, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not like earth shattering, but, you know, and when they say yes, it's, it's a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So good. All right. Tip 39, focus on belonging. What do you mean by belonging and how do we do this? Well, one of the best things, maybe the best thing of writing the book was talking to experts in different aspects of higher ed and trying to distill their, you know, life's work into a page is, is a pretty difficult thing to do them justice. But I, I talked with uh, Dr. Terrell Strayhorn, who, who he literally like wrote the book on college student belonging. It's called yes. college student belonging. And um, he has a, you know, he has a great definition of, of belonging, which is, you know, students feeling like they're part of something, like they matter, like they're cared for, like they're respected. And, um, and I think that we know now that that sense of belonging is a huge contributor to student success in college. And in fact, you know, there's, there's something called the National Survey of Student Engagement or NESI that, um, that surveys you know, tens of thousands of students every year. I think actually over 100,000. And one of the things they found is that students who feel a sense of belonging are 41% more likely to continue from first to second year. So it's super important to get involved. 
And there's lots of ways to do that. I mean, you can get involved in a campus job. You can get involved by going to an event. You can get involved by joining a club, a student organization. You can get involved by talking to your professor. But the you know the goal is to feel that sense of connection um, with the college and with the people there and with the activities there. And that that sense of connection, that sense of belonging, that sense of being part of something, that's what... Um, you know, that's what prepares you for the setbacks you're going to face in college. And, you know, you get a bad grade, you get, you know, you have a bad breakup, whatever, whatever it might be. Belonging is like the lens that you're looking at your college through. And, uh, and so if you have it, like, it's going to brighten your view. And if you don't, it's going to darken it. And, you know, then like imposter syndrome kicks in and like, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe this isn't for me. Like, and uh, and so I think it's just so it's so important, like, you know, if you're a like if you're a high school senior and this summer you're at like a graduation party or whatever, um, you know, probably a bunch of people are going to give you the advice, like study hard. But, you know, just as important of like study hard is like get involved, you know, because I mean, and you can overdo it, too. But I think, you you know, you're you're seeking out those connections and you're seeking out that community. And it's just as important as studying hard. Yeah. And I don't know, like if you have seen this in, in the students that you've worked with uh, recently, but it's been so hard post pandemic and whatever, we're, whatever we're in now pandemic still, but um, you know, it's just students are really socially isolated. And I think I'm going to have a whole other podcast separately about this, but I just, this sense of belonging is so critical. It's almost something you have to prioritize if you're not, you know, if you're not prioritizing it, you almost have to as a student, because it is so critical to you as a human, like your health, your mental health, your, you know, your physical, like everything. So anyway, so critical. So I, I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. And another bonus tip is like, you really talk about patience in this process because you, you don't just like find your people the first day and like <laughs> it happens, right. It takes a while and a lot of effort, unfortunately on your part, <laughs> you know, as a student. Yeah. But And this is one of the, I, you know, I mentioned pulling together lots of other research studies and one of the joys of this, uh, endeavor was connecting with folks from a group called the college transition collaborative and they turned me on to the this whole body of research called wise interventions where you can make small you can do small things that have a big impact and one of them is if students read a story about belonging and that helps them understand that everyone goes through this like not feeling like they belong and that it's temporary, that everyone pretty much gets over it eventually, that it's hard, but it's common and it's temporary. That has a proven, you know, in a randomized control trial, that has a proven impact on students' uh, likelihood to stay in school and get better grades. So just like, just knowing that, uh, like small things is, uh, is, is, so, is so important. I love that. Love that. All right, well, let's go into more kind of career stuff. And this is where I think a lot of my uh, listeners are really like focused on is like the future. Why am I doing this? Why am I in college? Um, so tip number 68 is really focused on building skills that employers want most. Um, so when you when, like, I guess, what inspired you to kind of focus on that as a tip? Well, you know, helping students find that connection between a class and a career 
I think is so critical because one of the one of the ways where students get off track or they don't maybe don't see the, as much value in their education is they take all these classes and then they then they're they're they get to the end of college and then they finally go to the career center and they can't see how one thing leads to another. They don't have this like sense of path or this sense of progress along it. And and so if if students can do things that make those connections, you know, one of them is do a real world project in a class, right? So let's say you're taking a marketing class, you could do a marketing plan for a made up company, or you could find a company or a nonprofit in your community, and you could do the marketing plan for them. And that forces you to like, go interview them, look at, you know, maybe look at some actual data, look at their social media feeds, um, and come up with a come up with a plan. Now you've really got something because now you've got like a project in your portfolio. You could show an employer. Um, you've made some connections. You know, maybe that like the the CMO of that company like becomes a mentor, or may, you know, maybe it leads to an internship, right? Which is like another way, another kind of like project, or another way to bridge a, a class to a to a career. And those experiences, they have a proven impact on your success. Like students who work on what are called service learning projects, they get hired faster, they get paid more, and they do good in the world. Like students who do internships, they're more likely to like their job after graduation, in part because like they've had a chance to test it out. They're more likely to think their education was worth it, uh, was worth the cost. So I think these are these are ways to make that class career connection and build skills uh, along the way. And you can, as you're doing this, you can be proactive about the skills that employers are looking for because it's pretty well known it's you know it's teamwork it's critical thinking it's communication um, it's data analysis uh, data fluency so um, you can be working on these things as you work on these projects whether it's for a class or in an internship or even for a, a club or some kind of entrepreneurial activity yeah so so good and um you know in my class uh last, semester I, I taught, I tried this out and it like, I feel like light bulbs were like popping off everywhere in my class. And so what I did was I connected the projects that we did with actual skills that they developed. So they, they were able to see like, oh, these are project management skills, or this is connected to like customer discovery research or user experience research. Like these are skill sets that can connect to these types of jobs so that they could just like see, oh, I really loved this project, but I hated this one. Right. It's like they can kind of start seeing themselves in the workforce um, and, and connecting it. So I almost think it's our responsibility as faculty <laughs> to also help them, help students articulate and see this is why what we're learning matters. These are the skills that I'm going to help you develop throughout this course. And I think that's kind of the purpose of objectives, but I don't know if it really makes meets, meets that goal. But yeah, yeah, I think being explicit about that is is really great. And then helping helping students like distill this is actually the marketable thing that you've learned right. that will will help you help you later on in a variety of different careers, I think is so useful because it's sometimes, you know, as students or as professionals, you get, you put your head down and you, you work on your day-to-day -day work and you may not realize what you're learning. Yeah. And it's those moments of like reflection uh, where you have to 
distill what it is you've learned and why it's valuable when you really understand things. And we just did a national student experience survey. We do it every year. And the, the interesting thing was a sense that you're growing uh, was the greatest predictor of student satisfaction and their likelihood to recommend their college or university. Mm. And growth was kind of a mixed bag depending on different attributes of the student and different attributes of the um, of the the institution. But it, it's kind of interesting because if you look at national surveys, like 80% of college grads feel like they got, you know, it was valuable, they got skills. But when you're in it, you may not see that. And I think if professors, if faculty can make those, you know, or a career center or an advisor can help like make those, those connections more explicit, then students might be more aware um, a of the opportunities to build those skills, but B that they have them and how to market them and why they're valuable and so forth. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's so critical. Um, okay. Let's do one more quickly and then we can wrap up. Um, so tip number 70 is check up on your career twice a year. And I have never heard this before. And so I love this concept. Um, so what do you mean by that and how can students like use this? Well, I think, you know, back to this whole idea of like focus and unfocus and how do you find that balance? Um, I think early on trying to think about different career paths is so important and it might be, it might be challenging um, because lots of times it's actually easier to identify a person or in a role that they play as opposed Mm -hmm. to like some abstract, like I want to be a, you know, I want to be a data analyst or I want to be a coach. It's like, I want to be like Alicia you know, or, or, or whatever. And then, you know, you can understand Alicia's path. And I think they're, you know, they're people doing great work. Like my, I'm a huge fan of um, the city university of New York, CUNY has a Gutman community college, and they have a class called the ethnographies of work. So students in their first year, they go out and they shadow people, interview people, you know, who have jobs or have careers they might want to have. And so they can, they can see like, okay, that's my role model that's my path uh, to, to, to that position. And so once you have that path, then you can get, you know, you can get in the rhythm of checking up on your progress along that path. And like, maybe you have to change your path. Maybe you take a left turn every, you know, every once in a while, it turns out, I don't, you know, I don't want to be like Elliot. I want to be more like Alicia or what, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so first you find that path and you probably do it by a lot of, you know, experience, testing things out, trying things out, shadowing interviews, internships, class projects, externships, whatever it might be. Um, And then you check in on your progress on a regular interval. What do I want to do more of? What do I do want to do less of? And there's lots of people um, at your college or university that can help you with that checkup. It could be going to the career center. It could be talking to your advisor. It could be talking to a coach. could be talking to a friend. could be talking to a professor. Um, but I, I would say, you know, find a path and, and, and then get into a rhythm of mapping your progress along it. Yeah. Oh, so good. I love that. I think that's such great advice. Um, awesome. Well, if you took anything away from this episode, you need to make sure that you purchase Elliot's book, how to get the most out of college. And I will definitely link that in the show notes. Um, but Elliot, where else can people find you? Um, I want you to share your podcast and any, any other, uh, social media. 
Yeah. So the best the best place is just to go to elliotfelix.com. And there you can find um, a link to the book. You can find a link to the podcast where each episode dives into a tip on the book. Um, one of them will feature will feature you, Alicia, of course, talking about entrepreneurship. And um, and I also, you know, I'm I'm I like to share what I'm thinking and learning and doing. So you can also find like conference presentations, talks I've given, interviews, articles I've written. So um, that's a great place. And, you know, for institutions that are that are looking for help on student success, um, that's at brightspotstrategy.com. That's the company I'm a founder of and um, working with uh, liberal arts colleges, research universities um, to help their students succeed with, you know, better facilities, technology and support services and um, always looking for more opportunities for impact. Love it, love it, love it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having um, or for coming on um, to the podcast, Elliot. And uh, I'll make sure that all of those are linked in the show notes. So thank you so much. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you go and check out Elliot's book. Again, it's called How to Get the Most Out of College, 127 Ways to Make Connections, Make It Work for You and Make a Difference. This book is chock full of so much more than what we had time to cover in today's episode. So make sure that you go check it out if today's conversation resonates. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the College Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a five-star review, share it with your friends, and I will catch you in the next episode. Have an excellent week.